Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. Appreciate Tim Hasselbeck for dropping by on his way to the Florida State Wake Forest game. We hope to see you there. And we have lines open for the first time in a long time. You can be next by dialing 1-800-849-2761. We have already talked NFL Week 7, College Football Week 8, the World Series that looks like it's going to be Washington against Houston. The Astros do need one more win to eliminate the New York Yankees. They're up three games to one and have the future Hall of Famer Justin Verlander on the hill tonight at Yankee Stadium. Games 6 and 7, if necessary, are back in Houston. The World Series against the Nationals will start this coming Tuesday. Soccer has has hit our radar today. NASCAR has come up. College basketball is back in the form recently of Late Night with Roy in Chapel Hill. The Tar Heels are expected to be good again. And in the form tonight, Coach K is throwing a party. Countdown to craziness at Duke. Coach Keats is throwing a party in Raleigh. Primetime with the pack is what they call it. Both of those fun preseason events are tonight. Louisville, Duke, UNC, and UVA look like the top tier in the ACC once again. And all you can expect to see in the national preseason top 25 as well. Notre Dame is my dark horse. But if you're a fan of the Wolfpack or if you're a fan of a lot of others in the midsection, if you will, of the ACC, it is fairly wide open compared to most other years when it comes to slots four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. And you usually see that many ACC teams in the NCAA tournament. If you're a Wake fan with Danny Manning and that conversation continuing, you have a chance to rise the ladder. If you're a Wolfpack fan and you missed the tournament last year, but you made it in year one under Kevin Keats, you have a chance to climb the ladder. The door is open. I think it's going to be a less predictable ACC once you get past, especially Duke and Louisville look like the two best to me, just given the talent, experience, depth combination they have coming back under, of course, the legendary Coach K at Duke, but also Chris Mack, who did a good job in his first year at Louisville and has a lot more of that talent, depth, experience combination on hand this time 1-800-849-2761 your question your comment your complaint all fair game the carolina hurricanes remain one of the best teams in the nhl at least by record they're at anaheim tonight they're back home a week from tomorrow don't forget to enter hashtag canes with dg on twitter we send people to games always in the lower level often with a parking pass so don't forget to enter. You could win week to week, or you might end up with the grand prize at the end of the season when we put somebody in our four on the glass seats at PNC Arena to enjoy a game in 2020. Questions, comments, complaints, baseball, football, basketball, NASCAR, soccer, and much more. You can be next at 1-800-849-2761. Since Tim Hasselbeck, the former quarterback, just joined us, and he gets to call a game involving two schools that have played multiple quarterbacks, I want to highlight one of them as we welcome your call and we celebrate both our 10-year anniversary on Twitter at David Glenn Show. You can not only win Kane's tickets there, you can also send a question or comment. Follow us at David Glenn Show on Twitter. It is our 10-year anniversary. We brag about the smartest audience in sports radio. We have only five people blocked 10 years into our Twitter experience. We are proud of that and we are thankful to you for that. Darren Vaught happens to be experiencing today his 1,000th show as the producer of this program. This is the same week, week where he was named the new voice of High Point Basketball. So get used to Hall of Famer Tubby Smith 
and Darren Vaught as a pairing as college basketball is almost here. And as we play a little free-for-all Friday, 1-800-849-2761. Earlier this week, the NBA, LeBron James, the international incident with China. That was among our top stories. Vince Carter and his preseason exploits as a 42-year-old with the Atlanta Hawks also was front and center. The lines tend to be jammed Monday through Thursday. Free-for-all Friday created so that you could participate with your questions or comments with shorter wait times and more open lines. The guy that I wanted to circle is in the same game that we're headed to and that Tim Hasselbeck is helping call for ACC Network. It's Jamie Newman. I would bet you that everybody who considers themselves a casual fan, much less a diehard of college football, as intern Will takes your calls, 1-800-849-2761. Everybody would know by now Tua Tungavailoa of Alabama, right? And he is on the short list again for the Heisman Trophy candidates. He leads the nation right now with a ridiculous stat line that includes 23 touchdowns against zero interceptions, and he's completing 76-plus percent of his passes for about 12 yards per attempt. All of those numbers are really, really, really good. But he's not alone. Everybody also knows the name Jalen Hurts. Now, you used to picture him in an Alabama uniform. Now he is just the latest and the greatest for that Lincoln Riley guy at Oklahoma. He cranked out Baker Mayfield all the way to another great team and a Heisman Trophy. Then he cranked out Kyler Murray. Remember, like a one-year wonder. Kyler Murray hadn't started for the Sooners because he was backing up. And then he does start, and in his one year as the starter, he's not only great, he's the Heisman winner and the leader of another great Oklahoma team. We spoke with Ruffin McNeil, now the assistant head coach of the Sooners, formerly of ECU. He offered his regular dose of human sunshine and football analysis as a guest on our show earlier this week. Jalen Hurts, Alabama transfer to Oklahoma, also on the short list for Heisman Trophy candidates, also leading two of the top teams in college football. This guy, I guess you might might not be as familiar with, but if you've paid attention at all to this college football season over the last month and a half, by now you should know the name Joe Burrow. And it's another reflection. A lot of times you hear the front end of the question, why do so many kids transfer all the time? More than ever in the history of college athletics, not just football and men's basketball, but when you add it all up, it is a more common theme now than ever in the history of college sports. Well, when you see the success stories, especially at quarterback, where you might get caught in an obvious logjam that might not be as obvious if you're a safety or a defensive end or a a tight end or a wide receiver. Jalen Hurts knew he was behind Tua Tungavailoa at Alabama. Jalen Hurts knew he was running out of eligibility. I can't fault the young man for saying, you know what, I don't want to burn my final year backing up. They might need me to win it all. That happened at Alabama when they needed multiple quarterbacks because of injury to accomplish more great things under Nick Saban. Jalen Hurts does pull the trigger on the transfer, does get the opportunity under Lincoln Riley in Oklahoma, and is the latest. He's brand new again. Usually we hear coaches talk about all these quarterbacks. Man, it takes two or three years before we have them where we really want them in our system and understanding the intricacies. Well, Not always, because Oklahoma's cranked out three in a row, almost cookie-cutter style. Well, Joe Burrow is another example 
caught in a log jam, transferred out of Ohio State in his case, and now at LSU, do you know he is the leading candidate on most people's ballots to win the Heisman Trophy and at a program that we could all celebrate their defensive back heritage at LSU, their running back heritage at LSU, their offensive and defensive line traditions at LSU. I mean, they're often in the mix. They sometimes break through and win it all. Shout out to Les Miles, for example. You know, Nick Saban and Jimbo Fisher have roots that include LSU. It's a traditional program that is often great and almost always good, rarely bad for an extended period. Rarely has anybody said, I can't wait to see that LSU quarterback. It has happened. I'm aware. I'm old enough. But even some of those guys ended up being busts at the next level. Joe Burrow. No quarterback in college football has a higher overall or passing grade on passes thrown at least 10, year, 10 yards down the field. He has absolutely dominated through six games of college football. On the long throws, he's 57 out of 77 for almost 1,300 yards and 16 touchdowns. All of those numbers on long throws lead all of college football. So Joe Burrow, LSU, running kind of in the driver's seat. Jalen Hurts of Oklahoma, his former teammate Tua Tungavailoa at Alabama, they're running top three, basically. Justin Fields, yet another transfer from Georgia to Ohio State, caught behind Jake Fromm with the Bulldogs, wants an opportunity, gets a fresh start under the new coaching staff at Ohio State. He is in the top five on the Heisman balloting. And there are other good guys I've seen so far. Sam Ellinger, at Texas is really good. Jake Fromm at Georgia is a pretty good player. When pro football focus, which really crunches it, I mean, they do video study at every team, at every position, of every team, at every position. So, like, they're going to give you the ACC, you know, left tackle of the week, and they're going to grade every snap for every player. It's crazy. They do it, of course, for the NFL as well. Really well done. Profootballfocus.com pff.com if you want to check it out yourself do you know who is the highest ranked acc quarterback it is not the preseason heisman candidate trevor lawrence nor is it even close to that in fact the guys at pro football focus they rank the starting quarterbacks from like one to 120 whatever so like they're not just highlighting people you might be the 119th best starter in college football right now. I don't know who that is, but I'd rather not my, see my name down there. I'd be thrilled to see my name where Jamie Newman of Wake Forest has his name. And I think Tim Hasselbeck even said, if Sage Surratt was doing somewhere else, the kind of wide receiver numbers that he's put up for the Deeks, some people's ACC offensive midseason player of the year, there's no such award in the real world, but it's just for fun talking points. He's been that good for them, that productive for them in their 5-1 and one start. Similarly, Jamie Newman, who's been day-to-day on the injury list this week, he banged up his shoulder. So some are wondering, are we even going to see him as the starter against Florida State? I think the educated guess is yes. Just as we've seen both James Blackman and Alex Hornibrook, yet another transfer him from Wisconsin, as the Seminoles' two QBs, and remember, the Seminoles' fall from grace has been more about that miserable defense. They've got Cam Akers at tailback. They've got Tamari and Terry at wide receiver. They're not great on the line, but their quarterbacks have done some great things. I actually think Hornibrook is the better player, but they need Blackman 
against some opponents because their line is not very good, and Blackman is better at kind of buying time in a lot of those circumstances. But when PFF ranked these starting college QBs from one to a zillion, the first ACC name to show up, not Trevor Lawrence of Clemson, not the freshman who deservedly has gotten a lot of love at UNC. Sam Howell is an amazing prospect by NFL standards, and he's already an amazing accomplished quarterback for Mac Brown and the Tar Heels, even as a true freshman after setting all those records in high school. Jamie Newman is described by Pro Football Focus as the nation's most underappreciated quarterback. He is the fifth highest graded QB in the entire country when they splice film specifically on throws 10 or more yards downfield. So it'd be like Joe Burrows of LSU, a couple others, and then Jamie Newman of Wake Forest. Keep in mind, he's also a guy who, because he's so big and strong, when Wake needs that one yard, Jamie Newman, I mean, maybe he hurt his shoulder because of the physicality, right? He's almost a Cam Newton-sized quarterback. You know, the backup Sam Hartman's a good player and, remember, started the first nine games for the Deeks last year before he got hurt. One thing you can't ask Sam Hartman to do is just tuck it in your belly, lean forward, and move the pile, right, if you need third and one, fourth and one. Jamie Newman's about as good as that at that as anybody because of his size and strength. Now, we'll see. He might have to play differently if he's just banged up but healthy enough to play. You don't want to leave that shoulder more vulnerable to additional injury. It sounds like he's okay to go, but Jamie Newman is one of the, to steal pro football focuses words, most underappreciated players in all of college football. And if you filed a midseason all-ACC ballot, there are more famous names in this league But Jamie Newman is the guy who has played the best at that position. Among the others, in case you were wondering, Khalil Tate at Arizona. He's an NFL prospect. He's putting up some really good numbers as well. But you don't even see a second ACC quarterback on this list until Trevor Lawrence of Clemson at number 17. He took steps forward against Florida State, remember, as Clemson brilliant defensively all year, has not found itself offensively until maybe recently when they really just pushed the Seminoles all over Death Valley. After Trevor Lawrence, there's nobody in the top 25 who represents an ACC school. Sam Howell of UNC is next a little bit further down the line. Jamie Newman against a Florida State defense that has been giving up points and yards by the bushel. Of course, the Seminoles are going to come into town expecting that they can do the same to a Wake Forest defense that just gave up a 62-burger against the Louisville Cardinals. Michael in Raleigh wants to be next up on Free For All Friday. We are coming back to your phone calls right now, 1-800-849-2761. I'll tell you more of what to look forward to in the NFL's Week 7 with the Panthers off There's plenty to watch, nevertheless. College football week eight includes a handful of unbeatens that I believe are playing at-risk games, including number seven Penn State hosting number 16 Michigan. Again, I think the Nittany Lions are better, but that Michigan defense is for real, and Penn State's offense has been at times up and down under James Franklin, although not as much this year. 1-800-849-2761. By the way, the Nittany Lions are favored in every game after their 6-0 start. They're favored in every remaining regular season game they have except for a late November trip to Ohio State. So when you start 
thinking ahead to the college football playoff, we all know who the top contenders are. Clemson's 6-0 and and with a relatively smooth road to another ACC title and another college football playoff appearance. It's not that they can't lose, but at 13-0, and of course they'd get a spot, and as a 12-1 and ACC champion, if it came to that, they'd, they'd certainly be in the mix. Alabama hasn't lost yet. Oklahoma, as the leader of the Big 12, has not lost yet. The Big 10 still has three teams in that upper echelon, undefeated Buckeyes, undefeated Badgers of Wisconsin, undefeated Penn State. It is PSU that is kind of in the crosshairs. James Franklin may have his best Penn State team of his tenure there. Jim Harbaugh, meanwhile, desperately needs a breakthrough game against one of the opponents that Wolverines fans love to beat the most. I mean, that list starts with Ohio State, of course, but it does include some of these other rivalries, and Jim Harbaugh's been on the wrong end of too many of those this far into his tenure with the Wolverines. John in Mebbin wants to call college football. Michael in Raleigh has football on his mind. Jack wants in with a question, comment, or complaint as well. Still others have the NBA on their mind, the upcoming World Series on their mind, the Carolina Hurricanes and hockey on their mind. College basketball is back as well. The NASCAR playoffs continue. The MLS playoffs begin tomorrow. And best wishes to the Carolina, the North Carolina Courage and the NCFC guys, both of whom play home matches this weekend in the soccer world. 1-800-849-2761. It is an NWSL semifinal with Megan Rapino and Seattle visiting all those U.S. women's national team stars and a bunch of international stars who wear that North Carolina Courage uniform here in Cary. 1-800-849-2761. It's right back to your phone calls as we're halfway to Margaritaville and you are steering our ship next on the David Glenn Show. Kevin Harlan is joining us. It was a boring game, and the guy ran out right through the formation as if he was a wide receiver <laughs> to be a part of the play. The guy is drunk, but there he goes. You always think of calling that dramatic last-second buzzer-beating shot or a touchdown pass or, or something more historic. This is the David Glenn Show. Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. Here we go. Lines open if you want to jump in. John and Mebbin has a great question on college football. Michael in Raleigh, also representing the smartest audience in sports radio, also wants to talk gridiron. NFL Week 7, College Football Week 8, they are both underway. It was Denver getting crushed by the Kansas City Chiefs last night on Thursday Night Football. KC did lose its MVP, MVP quarterback, Patrick Mahomes, to a knee injury. There is an update there as we come back to your calls, 1-800-849-2761. Remember, it can be about anything on your mind. We have more football, college and pro basketball, baseball playoffs, Carolina Hurricanes, and other things on our mind. We'll get to more of it. You can be next with your question, comment, or complaint at one 800 849-2761. Mahomes suffered a right patellar dislocation of his kneecap in the second quarter of that road win over the Broncos. And he's undergoing an MRI, but it looks like he is dodging the worst case scenario. The early guess is that he will miss three or so games. So that means former Panthers backup Matt Moore is in for Andy Reid in Kansas City as the starter, assumedly. So Mahomes, though, in the bigger picture, will be back is the bottom line. Those are the early reports that have been trickling out earlier today. John and Mebbin, welcome to the David Glenn Show. Your question warms my heart. I just played a round of golf 
with four proud Appalachian State representatives. And it was an awesome day celebrating the North Carolina Sports Hall of Fame uh, this past Monday. That's why I missed the show. And I can tell you this, two guys work at App. So shout out to Associate AD Doug Banks and Yosef Club guy James Fry. But Kent Shelton and Cliff Thomas are proud App State grads. Interestingly, and I learned this fairly quickly, they both represented the Mountaineers on the golf team. That's who I was playing with on Monday. That becomes very clear very quickly that they play that sport at a level that I probably will die without ever getting close to. Man, it's fun to have them as teammates, though. Check out Cliff Thomas's family gourmet food options. Thomas Gourmet Foods, based here in the triad in North Carolina. Family tradition passed down for generations. I learned, you know, you have downtime during 18 holes of golf, Darren. So I try to ask these guys about what's going on. So Doug and James are relatively new to App State, clearly, they have central roles in the Mountaineers' undefeated start under Eli Drinkwitz. Kent Shelton is a certified PGA pro. He works out in the triad, Tanglewood Park. I think he's maybe on the move, although that might be covert information that I'm not allowed to share. I don't know. But he was a lot of fun. All those guys, good guys. And they're feeling the Mountaineers' mojo. And since I was around them all day Monday, man, I'm feeling it that much more as well. What's your question or comment? John in Mebbin, welcome to the show. Well, if you were playing with golf with all those app guys, it definitely was a good day to be a mountain. No doubt. It was the second year in a row where I was the celebrity golfer, that's in air quotes, for a foursome that turned out to be all four app state people. I don't know if they're requesting me or they're just like drawing the short straw and getting stuck with me. But two years in a row, man, it's been all app state all day. And my daughter's a high school senior and app state's on her list of finalists. So who knows, man? The Yosef's Club may be calling me for a donation soon. Well, here's a, here's my question. If App State were to, say if they lose to South Carolina in a few weeks, and it's the only loss of the season. Now, Boise State and SMU are having monster years, too, and say they were to, one of those is going to get that group of five nods okay. to the to the Cotton Bowl. Is there a chance that Appalachian State becomes an at-large bid to a much, much better bowl that's not tied into the Sun Belt? I'm not 100% sure of the answer to that. I do. I thought you were going to give me the dream scenario where they beat the Gamecocks in Columbia. Because Here's the bottom line, either in your question or the one that I thought you were going to ask. Number one is you just got to keep winning. I mean, whether it ends up being, you know, a 13-0 dream season where App State is the Sun Belt champion or your scenario, the 12-1 Sun Belt champion where the only loss is to a Gamecocks team at their place, you know, a team that's already beaten Georgia on their resume, for example. You do have to root, obviously, root for the Mountaineers to keep winning. Everybody understands that part. Uh, they do have hard games in conference, I think, at Georgia State and at Troy. Those are not pushovers. And then the title game could be a rematch with Louisiana, which is also not a pushover. So keep winning. Get those 12 or 13 wins. Coaches and players are not allowed to look ahead, but we love to do that here in Fanland and on the David Glenn Show. Got to root for Boise State and SMU to lose. Whether you're dreaming of the biggest dream, and that's 13-0 again, and it's unlikely that this many teams will be undefeated. Of course, those ranks always dwindle. But Boise for now is undefeated. 
And if Boise at no losses was compared to App with no losses, Boise's probably going to get the nod. And if Boise with one loss is compared to an app with one loss, Boise's probably going to get the nod. The Mountain West is from top to bottom a tougher conference than the Sun Belt is. So Boise, which also, you know, went to Florida State and beat the Seminoles, has that on its resume. They actually, here's what, Boise plays at BYU tomorrow night. Root for BYU. So root for your Mountaineers to beat ULM. And then late night, root for Boise to lose to BYU. Boise still has to go to Utah State as well. That's a good team. We saw them in Wake Forest or in Winston against Wake Forest. So there's a couple of roadblocks for Boise in its quest to stay undefeated. SMU, I don't believe, is a realistic candidate to stay undefeated. They've still got to go to Houston. They've still got to go to Memphis. They've still got to go to Navy. They've still got to play a good Tulane team in the American Conference. But again, you don't want to have the same record as an SMU or a Boise. You want to have a better record because the ties will go to the teams in the higher-ranked conferences in all likelihood. What about going to South Carolina and beating the Gamecocks? I know it's not a, a, bit, a safe bet, but it's not an impossibility either. And I'll add one weird thing that probably sounds, you know, counterintuitive to a Mountaineers fan. I'm dead serious when I say this, though. If you are dreaming of either the biggest dream, the New Year's Day Bowl, the best power, f- the best group of five team is by contract going to get a, a New Year's Day Bowl. That's as big as it gets so far in the college football playoff format for anybody outside the Power Five. If somehow you can build a better resume than even Boise and SMU and the others, wouldn't that be one heck of a cherry on top? The, the harder to digest part of my equation, again, Mountaineers keep winning, root for Boise and SMU to lose as much as possible. Root for the Gamecocks and the Tar Heels to beat everybody else. It, it may, I don't know, are a lot of App fans also Carolina fans when they're not hating on the Tar Heels? I don't know. Sometimes that works in weird ways during basketball season or whatever. But if you're App State, your resume is upgraded every single time the North Carolina Tar Heels win a game. Every time. You beat them in Chapel Hill. Now, what is that? What looks better? You beat a 3-9 and nine Tar Heel team in Chapel Hill or a 9-3 and three Tar Heel team in Chapel Hill? Of course, if somehow Mac Brown waves his magic wand and they go and win at Virginia Tech this weekend and then they have a showdown with Duke and win that, I mean, why not? The Tar Heels have as good a chance as anybody in the Coastal to play Clemson in all likelihood in the ACC title game. They could also f- fall flat on their faces the rest of the way. They're not very deep. They can't afford injuries. But seriously, if you're an App State football fan, it is intuitive to root for your Mountaineers. It's probably intuitive to root against Boise and SMU. You got to get over it. Root for the Gamecocks and the Tar Heels. Because you, if you beat South Carolina, man, doesn't their win over Georgia make your win over South Carolina look that much better? Versus if the Gamecocks somehow had fallen apart and face-planted and gone 3-9 and nine or something. Like, if you're v- dreaming the biggest dreams, these details matter. And App State, man, that 12-1 and one or 13-0 and 0 resume, again, we're allowed to look ahead. They're not. You can lose to ULM if you take your eye off the ball. 12-1 or 13-0 App State is going to be one hell of a fun story to follow. And it is not beyond the realm of possibility in the slightest. 
1-800-849-2761. Marshall wants in on college football. Chuck and Clayton wants in on more gridiron action. You can be next with your question or comment at 1-800-849-2761 on the David Glenn Show. Gary Player joining us. This morning I did 1,300 sit-ups and crunches. Wow. I pushed 300 pounds with my legs and I ran on the treadmill. You are one of the legends of golf and you've been an inspiration as a person as well. What a nice compliment and God bless America. You're listening to The David Glenn Show. Lincoln's a great teacher and that's a major part, even more of a part than being actually a coach he does coach but i think he does a great job teaching displaying the the knowledge uh in meetings as it's a constant almost everyday type teaching that goes on with that group welcome back to the david glenn show that was the ray of human sunshine ruffin mcneil assistant head coach of the oklahoma sooners former ecu player and head coach now with the guy he once brought up the coaching ranks lincoln riley's the head coach of the top five sooners Ruffin McNeil helps run that defense. Big win over the Texas Longhorns last weekend. Big favorite over West Virginia this weekend. Chuck and Clayton, Michael in Raleigh, Michael in Clayton. Others calling from the mountains to the beaches. One quick piece of breaking news. The Mac Brown magic recruiting wand continues. A young man named Desmond Evans is ESPN's number two recruit. I don't mean in the state of North Carolina. I mean ESPN's number two high school football recruit in the entire country. He happens to be a defensive end, five stars, of course, from Sanford, North Carolina. He had been considering, among other scholarship offers, uh, Tennessee and originally NC State. His finalists also included Virginia Tech, Florida, South Carolina. He picked the Tar Heels earlier today, so that is – one of the highest-ranked high school prospects ever to commit to the University of North Carolina. So Desmond Evans, we all know, and we've actually studied this at accsports.com, the further down rankings you go, the less accurate they become. But I often use the example, if you are a high school basketball player and you were ranked in the top 10 of the consensus rankings, history tells us that nine of those 10 end up in the NBA. That's a pretty high correlation of the gurus and the draft guys or the uh, recruiting guys getting stuff right. Nine out of ten, they're right. One out of ten, the guy falls short of the NBA. In football, the correlation is not quite as strong, but it is pretty strong at the very, very top. Again, Desmond Evans, the number two recruit in football in the high school ranks in the entire country, committed earlier today to Mack Brown and the Tar Heels. They have the most high-ranked in-state prospects uh, by far right now. Uh, They also have a top 20 class, according to everybody who follows such things right now. So Mac Brown did this at the end of the 80s and the early 90s on his way to eight straight uh, winning seasons and back-to-back top 10 seasons with the Tar Heels in the later 90s before he left for Texas. There's a version of this going on right now with the 3-3 three and three start for the Tar Heels being better than most expected. Really nice wins that have looked better at times over South Carolina and Miami, for example. 
And I think the easier part to predict was that the Mac Brown recruiting magic wand, which served the Longhorns all the way to a national championship and other success. Uh, he's doing it again in the state of North Carolina, and that's the latest example of it. 1-800-849-2761. Let me talk with Chuck and Clayton. You're next on the David Glenn Show. Go right ahead. Hey, good afternoon, David. Hey, that is phenomenal news for North Carolina football. I've had the opportunity to see that guy play. He is a beast. Yeah. He is a man amongst boys. I'll tell you this um, and then let you get to your point. I've been around long enough to remember when a young man named Mario Williams from Richlands, North Carolina was rated this high in the whole country. And I think he turned out pretty well at NC State and then in the NFL. And I've been around long enough to remember when a young man named Julius Peppers was at Southern Nash High School in Bailey, NC. Similarly high accolades as a high schooler. He turned out really well at UNC and in the NFL. So that's this is rarefied air. We don't talk a lot of recruiting on this show. We covered a lot in the ACC Sports Journal and accsports.com. But, you know, it's, it's hard enough to get to all the pro teams and the college teams. If we start sprinkling in too much high school stuff on a statewide show, um, you can get lost in the weeds a little bit. But uh, if you're number two in the entire country, according to the recruiting services, uh, that's a heck of a get for Mac Brown and the Tar Heels. Absolutely, and it's great to keep them in state here. Hey, here, here's my question, and it, re, it revolves around uh, an article I saw earlier this week on ESPN that was talking about the what-if scenarios yeah. for the playoffs. And in particular, I'm, I'm, think, I'm focusing on one-loss teams because the way, I, the way my mind comes out right now is that I see Clemson potentially as really being the only, or maybe a Big 12, Oklahoma being the only one or two undefeated teams at the end of the season. I agree with you. After the conference. And then my question is this, because I'm a Golden Domer fan. Okay. So I'm trying, and with that mindset, thinking about maybe one team from the SEC comes in, what needs to happen in your mind? Because I'm really disappointing that Stanford lost last night. Yeah. Because that weakens them. What needs to happen for a one-loss Notre Dame team to sneak its way in? Here's the good news. I believe that as we speak right now, Notre Dame has the best one-loss resume. I think they're the best, and there, there are others that should not give up on the idea of making the college football playoff. If I'm a fan of 5-1 and one Georgia, I don't give up. If I'm a fan of 5-1 and one Oregon, I don't give up. Now, the Irish need Georgia to lose again. Because we all know if it came down to Notre Dame versus Georgia and the Bulldogs played head-to-head against the Irish and beat them, well, of course, Georgia, with the same record, would get the nod over the Irish or even a similar record. So root for Georgia to lose again. The bad news is that some of the teams, like there's basically seven teams clearly above your fighting Irish right now. Clemson, Alabama, Oklahoma, Ohio State, LSU, Wisconsin, and Penn State. You need them as many of them as possible to lose. You need a scenario where Notre Dame is 11-1, and got to win out, and then we you're probably right. There's only going to be one or two undefeated teams at the end. Maybe none. Wouldn't be unfathomable. But Clemson has a shot. I agree with you. Oklahoma has a shot. But every single year it seems to dwindle the ranks of the unbeaten to one or two, if any. And I think that'll happen again. The Big Ten teams will start beating each other up, remember, Right? Like Ohio State and Wisconsin and Penn State just can't all keep winning. LSU and Alabama, as fellow members of the SEC, have to deal with each other. And so you're going to see others lose, win out, and then, like, 
I revisit this question on November 18th instead of October 18th. That's probably the best advice because there's so many variables right now that as a Notre Dame fan, you know the prerequisite is getting to 11-1. and one. And guy like Tony Barnhart, Mr. College Football, dropped by this week and said that Georgia losing to South Carolina actually hurt Notre Dame more than it hurt Georgia, which was an interesting argument to make. But he's picturing the one loss versus the one loss and, again, the head-to-head that the Irish and the Dogs have already played. There's likely to be one or two undefeateds. There's likely to be a half a dozen one-loss resumes. And if you're Notre Dame, you not only have to win out, you actually have to try to put up some style points along the way. And you need your best wins. You need for those teams to keep winning, right? You want, you've already beaten Virginia by 15. It helps you if Virginia makes it to the ACC title game. You've already beaten Southern Cal. It helps you if the Trojans go on to a good record. You've already beaten Louisville. Now, Louisville's 4-2. and two. Some think that Louisville's going to have a tougher second-half schedule and kind of come back to earth a little bit. Others think Scott Satterfield's got them believing, and they're going to go 8-4 and four or whatever. That, you know, the more wins, the better among your victims. And then looking forward, you know, what's, what's the most power points you have waiting for you? It is probably Stanford at the end of the year. You need them to keep winning. And then Michigan. If you beat Michigan at Michigan, now you're building a resume that has a better chance of standing out once we, and and this is inevitable, we're going to end up splicing and dicing one-loss resumes for those, for whatever, either the final spot or the second, third, and fourth spots, and there's always one-loss teams left out. It just, that's just how it goes. Rules of thumb, you lose twice, you're probably almost certainly out. Your power five team that doesn't lose at all, you're in. And if you have one loss and you're in the power five, it all comes down to the details. And the details start with what are your best wins and what was the detail, what details were behind your one loss. Notre Dame at 11-1 and one would have going for it, hey, we lost to a pretty darn good Georgia team at Georgia, and it wasn't by a wide margin. Others might have their only loss as, you know, by 18 or something like that, right? Those details end up mattering a lot. I don't count the Notre Dame Fighting Irish out at all right now. And if they can get to 11-1, and one, I think we're going to be splicing and dicing their resume along with a bunch of others come early December. Appreciate you listening, Chuck. We have final thoughts. We have TV picks. And on Darren Vaught's 1,000th show here at the David Glenn Show, we even have time for more phone calls. We're halfway to Margaritaville. We're looking forward to a huge weekend for football fans, soccer fans, NASCAR fans, baseball fans, Yankees, Astros tonight, and perhaps over the weekend. Canes fans, they're at Anaheim trying to get back on the winning track. Basket college hoops fans, countdown to craziness at Duke tonight. Primetime with the pack tonight for Kevin Keats and Mike Krzyzewski. There's a whole lot going on. Isn't this a great time in the sports calendar? Those final thoughts, those TV picks, and those final phone calls as we come down the stretch to the sounds of Jimmy Buffett. That's next on The David Glenn Show. Kurt Busch is joining us, 38-year-old champion of the Daytona 500. I went out with Gronk last night after uh, after we won the race. Did you really? It was fun. Got about an hour's sleep. I asked him, I go, hey, when do you have to report to training camp? He goes, July. I said, well, we can't be friends because i got to go back to racing. Stay with us on The David Glenn Show.
the David Glenn Show. A little Bob Marley for you. Three Little Birds. Little known fact there. That's the name of the song. It's not called Don't Worry About a Thing, although that is one of the themes of the David Glenn Show this week. Every little thing's gonna be all right. Don't worry, man. Be happy. The Panthers are off. They've won four straight. Cam's gonna practice again. Don't be filled with angst. Be filled with joy. You have a 4-2 football team that's on a roll, has a great defense, and now has two quarterbacks at its disposal. More on that story next week as the Panthers prepare to return to action and take on the San Francisco 49ers. Michael in Raleigh has college football on his mind. Stephen Apex has the Carolina Hurricanes on his mind. Both of those are perfect for free-for-all Friday. You can steer us elsewhere as we come down the stretch, 1-800-849-2761. Michael, welcome to the show. Go right ahead. Hey, DG, long-time call. I really enjoy spending a couple hours a day on the road. I really enjoy your show. A um, huge thank you for that. Appreciate it. Wanted, wanted to, uh, I don't know, on the ball. We have a bunch of former high school football coaches that come in daily, and one of the topics this week has been, what do you attribute the, at the league at ACC, besides Clemson, obviously, what do you, what do you attribute the, the, the down year? coming from, from. <sighs> yeah uh it's a combination man you and i would need a dinner and some beverages to, to really pull, peel the onion on this one but let's i'll i'll say i'll try to be brief at prominent programs that traditionally win at a high level let's list them as miami florida state and virginia tech great football traditions have won or played for national championships there have been coaching transitions, right? No more Frank Beamer at Virginia Tech, no more Bobby Bowden or Jumbo Fisher at Florida State, you know, and no more of that revolving door from Schnellenberger to Jimmy Johnson and all the rest for the Miami Hurricanes. So there has been indigestion through those head coaching transitions. And beyond that, when we push Clemson off to the side, uh, I just think, don't think there are enough great players at every school besides Clemson, you can either point to a quarterback problem, that's half the league right now, doesn't have the right quarterback, or if they had him, he's injured, or an offensive line problem, that's like an epidemic in the ACC right now. What do coaches tell us? Maybe the coaches you talk to, God only makes so many enormous human beings who are also agile and athletic. Well, who's filling your offensive and defensive lines? Those dudes. And who gets a big chunk of them? The SEC schools that tend to be the, the recruiting superpowers. So some schools have good offensive lines and good quarterbacks and good defensive lines. But who fits that description? And, and really right now, I don't know if you watch all 14 teams, who would you say is above average on offense, above average on defense, and above average on – I'm not even putting the bar in a high place. I'm just saying above average in all three phases of the game. I don't think there is an answer. I really don't. Like UVA has great special teams and really good defense. Eh, they're okay offensively, right? The Tar Heels actually – might be the closest thing to the right answer. They're pretty good on offense. They're pretty good on defense. Not as much on special teams. But, you know, State shows flashes on defense but has holes on offense. You know, pick the team. Duke is pretty good on defense. Really struggling for the most part on offense. Virginia Tech's defense has been a disaster. They're just not close to a complete team. That goes back to recruiting and coaching. And it's just not the star-studded coaching carousel that it once was. Some of these guys will figure it out. Some won't. But I think behind Clemson, this is a down year 
for the ACC. Maybe somebody will prove us long, wrong. We'll see. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the games all weekend. I'm taking the lovely and talented Maria out to dinner tonight. Maybe I'll watch the Canes late night. See you at Wake FSU tomorrow at the Big Tailgate Tour. Mr. President Barack Obama, welcome to the David Glenn Show. How are you? David, it's great to be on. It's wonderful to, to talk to the folks in North Carolina. I always say uh, I love the state of North Carolina, love the people of North Carolina. Even the folks who don't support me down there are nice to me. The David Glenn Show.